Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. So first, I wanted to say congratulations. Vanessa got her first offer to be a uh, sugar baby. Is it mm-hmm. sugar baby? What is it? Yeah, sugar baby. So, um, and also he mentioned that it doesn't have to be sexual. Um, for uh, 500 a month, you can... No, no, 500 a week. Oh, a week. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> was that insulting? A month, well, 500 a week is kind of insulting, but 500 a month is really insulting. <laughs> That must feel good. I mean, I got to say, if someone said, John, I'll give you 500 a week, there's no sex involved. Um, just give me some connection, some some conversations. Um, that's a compliment. I mean, and, and it has nothing to do with therapy. Now, if it had to do with therapy, that's actually not really a compliment. Yeah, but I mean, what do you do as a sugar baby as far as giving someone attention that I don't do differently when I'm giving somebody undivided attention as a therapist. I mean, I'm going to just be analyzing this guy the whole time, obviously. Uh, he probably wants some dirty talk. He probably wants, oh, well, um, he's coming to the wrong person then. Yeah. And I could, I could, um, I could attest for that. Parking <laughs> 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 up the wrong tree. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let me message him and say, listen, man, um, Vanessa's love language is not, words of affirmation. So if you want some dirty talk, you are, uh, <laughs> you're going to want a refund. <laughs> oh man. Um, you know, but if he, but, but if, if sex was in the picture, then of course I think that 500 a week is, is cheap because, um, you're definitely, um, uh, your other love language is uh, touch. Yeah. I like how you stumbled through that a little bit. <laughs> uh, I stumbled uh, through life, baby. Mm-hmm. So um, we got into a giant fight today. Not today, this week. Oh, it took me a second. I was like, we did? Oh, yeah. And you know what's interesting about this fight was um, it was very high. No, no. 
Yeah, it was very, it was high, not wide. So what I mean by that was I felt like it was explosive, but it wasn't, it didn't last long. Um, my revelation after was exactly that. Like there was, there was really, um, for me, there was no residue. It was like, almost like we had a fight. It was kind of explosive. And then I totally for like, it didn't bother me at all. The next day mm-hmm. it was gone. That's interesting because I, I don't think that I had re- the word residue makes me feel like there was more to talk about. And I didn't feel like there was more to talk about, but there was something that stuck with me that I still wasn't like, not totally able to put my finger on. Um, I'm usually the person that wants to talk things to death. I'm the person that after the fight, um, you know, for the next three days, we're going to dissect it, talk about it. It still bothers me. Uh, but for some reason with this one, and I think it's a good sign. It, to me, I'm seeing it as a sign of my growth um, that I was able to uh, let it go, like naturally let it go, do not white knuckle it. Was, do you think it was partly because I said, I like in so many words, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something like, You're going to leave me? <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, I'm basically flooded and I am not thinking logically and I can't, I have nothing else to give to this conversation. No, and that, it, that it actually made that, me more, that made me more mad or not more mad, but that made me one. That was that to me, that's more gasoline in the flame, the fire. See, that is so unfair. I think as the avoidant, I think that's so unfair. Cause I think that that's like the opposite of what I teach clients. It's like, you have to respect when somebody's flooded, especially the avoidant. And if the avoidant says to you like, okay, I'm tapping out. Like I can't do any more in this moment. Um, to keep adding gasoline. It's just, it's, I mean, it's gasoline, right? It's, it's, it's totally unfair. And I think the whole point of this is that uh, both you and I are not perfect. You know mm-hmm. um, it is something that I am working on before. If I got into a fight and they didn't want to, not they, if she didn't want to talk about it, um, I would keep pressing. I, I, w- I wouldn't see it. I would see it as her, trying to, you know, exit through the back door or being avoidant or not dealing with the issue or sweeping something under the the rug. Um, but now today, of course, I realize everyone's built differently and people need space and you have to respect that. So um, in my twenties and half of my thirties, I definitely, um, I didn't have the tools to give that to people today. I feel like I have more tools to do that, but of course, you know, we snap back often. Hmm. That's so interesting. Cause in the moment it felt like you actually respected that and it didn't feel like gasoline. It felt like you actually were like, okay. And you like, you took it, you heard it and you left it. Oh yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, Cause we only see things through our, our own lens. Um, I felt, you know, very heated and I, like I wasn't doing that, but maybe I was because that's something I wanted to change about myself okay. anyway. Um, and I don't know how much we need to talk about what we fought about, but um, I know that if I was listening, I would feel a little, a little cheated if we say we had a fight and, and then we don't even, you know, uh, talk about what it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I mm. but I also don't want to bore people. So let's, let's, let's do it very cliff note style. And, uh, that's something from probably the eighties and nineties. Um, so if you're young, you don't know what I'm talking about. Cliff notes are um, bullet points. It, it, cliff notes uh, were, uh, they, they were the, the way, the reason I graduated high school, cause I don't read, I would get the cliff notes 
and do the book report based on the cliff notes. Man, I can only imagine for somebody like you who only does audiobooks before audiobooks. Well, I mean, I guess there was book on tape, but before audiobooks, what did you do? I am actually embarrassed to say this. Um, well, maybe I'm not that embarrassed because I say it often, but I <laughs> like actual books I've read where I'm flipping through pages, less than I could count on, on both hands. You mean like start to finish? Oh, never finish. But like, you know, um, Super Fudge and, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, uh, self-betterment books, start, never finish. Um, but that being said, uh, my, in my audibles, I've got probably 100 books. And I've, I've listened to all, so I'm, I'm a listener. I listen to them and you're the opposite. You, uh, you like reading. Yeah. I mean, that just takes into such account, like, um, everybody has such different learning styles and I, it actually bothers me because I think, it, I mean, whatever it's the whole diatribe, but like we put so much emphasis on people having one, like our school system, like one specific way of learning. And if you can't learn this way, then there's something wrong with you. And it's like, it's, it's so much of what's broken in our system yeah. because you're not abnormal. Like you are one third of the population <laughs> that I, thinks I, through audio. Yeah. And it had maybe have something to do with um, ADHD. I don't know, yeah, but yeah, but it's so common anyway. So we were watching a Hillary Clinton documentary mm -hmm. and um, everything was fine. Uh, and then how did it start? Then you said, so, oh, I said, oh, I said, oh, I, I, I could tell, um, because Hillary Clinton is controversial. And even though on paper, um, you know, she, um, has done amazing things and she's got an amazing story and she's accomplished so much. There's something about her that, that people don't like. It seems like with Hillary Clinton, you either love her or you, you hate her. And so that's interesting to me. I don't know a lot about her, but watching her documentary, I said something like, Oh, I, I think I know what it is. It's that she um, doesn't come off warm. Like she doesn't show herself. She's not vulnerable. She's more uh, information driven than, um, showing herself like she doesn't have that kind of, I don't know if it's charisma or, or that, that vulnerability, you know, and then you said, I don't remember. I said something like, um, I don't remember something like, yes. And it was a yes. And yeah. And there was uh, other stuff of, um, something that's baked in because we judge her well, it was really, you know what it was? It's this, I don't remember exactly what I said, but essentially it's this feeling of like, I think what was triggered for me in that moment was this, um, this thing that I've heard my whole life and that I know every woman has heard their whole life, like just smile. Right. And not that you said that, but that was what was, that was what was triggered in me. Like, well, if she just smiled, you know, and, right. and that was, I think what set me off. Yeah. And so of course that's going to set you off because then if that's what you hear me saying, even though I didn't say those words, then it's basically me saying she's not likable because she's a woman, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then for me, by you saying yes, and you can't separate this whole part, which is, um, you know, misogyny, you know, women being oppressed, like all of the, all of the, the deeper stuff. And, and of course I agree with that, you know, with the, uh, um, it being baked in society, all of that, right? And also her being um, close to being the first female president. And I believe she didn't um, win because she is a female, right? So mm -hmm. I get all that. But my point was you attaching that and not 
giving me just my opinion, but it came with this attachment, right? It came with this caboose. Um, it made me feel like you're forcing me to take my medicine. And so that's when we started arguing because I said, okay, I get all that, but that's not what I mean. All I, all I'm talking about is her energy as a being. So I'm not talking about gender. I'm just talking about, you know, I could see why uh, some people are kind of turned off by her because I believe most of us um, don't vote by what's on paper. We vote by uh, emotion, by kind of like the feeling we get from a person. And you said, Yes. And, and then you said, but you can't subtract all these things. And that's when we got into this huge uh, tug of war. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I still, I, I, I'm, we haven't resolved. I mean, there's no resolve. I, I still think it, it, I still think there's a yes and. So I, I think the important thing, if you're listening to take away from this is, is that sometimes arguments can just be arguments. They don't have to have a neat bow. <laughs> well, what's, what's frustrating for me about this was I, I wasn't disagreeing with her. I just wanted, like, that was a separate conversation. I wanted to have, like, I wanted this to be its own single serving. And if you want to talk about things that are baked in because you're a woman in society and all that, yeah, sure. But that's a different conversation. Why can't I just have this one comment, which is, um, you know, uh, she's not vulnerable. And that's probably why people don't like her. Yeah. And, and, and so that's why, and, you know, of course, we, we both have horn signs. And so we wouldn't let go of the word rope. Um, but here's what's interesting about this. So for, cause it's always about what's happening underneath, right? Um, it's, it's not about, um, what we're talking about. It's always about something that is happening underneath that is triggering anger, frustration, you know, whatever. Right. And so for Vanessa, it may be that, um, because I was holding on to this so tightly in her view, it may be me, another man not taking away your voice, you know, or trying to um, twist you or force you or whatever, me not backing down, me not giving you a safe space. And then for, for me, it was uh, um, like, I couldn't have my own. I felt like I was kind of like treated as a kid almost. Like I couldn't have my own opinion that was just left at that. Yeah. I mean, I think that for us, there's a little bit of a story attached to that. Like I have my mm -hmm. story, you have your story. And sure. I think your story a lot of times shows up as feeling like the kid. So, or a kid or whatever. Yeah. And so that, that is a trigger for you. Um, whether that is the intention behind whatever is said in the moment by, you know, myself, that's a, a sore spot for you. Yes, and this is going to be a great segue into the uh, second half of this this conversation, this episode. Um, so I grew up the the youngest. I grew up uh, sheltered. My brother was an umbrella. He had to grow up fast. He had to go to work. He had to be very responsible. So, like at fourteen, my brother was you know paying bills, reading the mail, all of that because my parents um, you know didn't speak English well and all that. I got to go outside and play right? Vanessa has the complete opposite story where she had to grow up very fast. So she's basically my brother, right? So when she was a teenager, she was already, um, she had a sibling, she was changing diapers, she was right doing all that, mm -hmm. growing up very fast. And so we're opposites. And so for me, um, because I was, uh, quote, unquote, a kid and enabled, um, I, I've had a lot of a lot of people tell me what to do. So I think I track that. 
you know, because I am um, very, I don't want to say, uh, because I'm, I, I, my energy is that of kind of like a curious um, child who colors outside the lines and doesn't think things through and sometimes isn't responsible, right? That's me. So because of that, I think I tend to attract, whether it's a partner or just friends, um, people who see that and kind of see it as, as adorable and kind of subconsciously want to take care of me or want to be um, my parent. So uh, I've had best friends who uh, came off as very possessive. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think it, they knew it. You know, this is just a, a dynamic. It's an energy. It's the stuff that's happening underneath. Uh, my mom nags a lot. And my mom will never see me as a, as an adult. She you know, put on your seatbelt. Uh, did you drink water? Like she's basically old school Korean um, nagging and I get it. It all comes from, from, from a good place. But uh, so I get it from my mom. Um, I get it from my brother. I don't think my brother will ever see me as like an adult. He's always going to see me as his younger brother who, you know, forgets things and isn't responsible. So I get a lot of um, when I engage with him, I get a lot of, well, you should do this. You should do that. Uh, and then of course my dad who's no longer uh, with us, but he used to always say, this is what you, so I, I always had people around me telling me what to do. And so um, that's my own story. And so I'm very sensitive to that. So when Vanessa does anything where I feel like she's treating me like um, that, I'm her uh, son instead of partner, I'm very sensitive to that. Her, uh, you, on the other hand, you're used to that because you've been a parent your entire life. Yeah. And I think, you know, you said it earlier, like you're like you're unconsciously attracted to I think the parenting type and for better or worse, I'm unconsciously attracted to taking care of someone. Right. And so, um, it's frustrating. Um, but also like we both play a role in that, right? Like for whatever reason, that is what we're both drawn to. Yes. But here's the thing. Um, we are unconsciously attracted to things, but if we are also people who are working on ourselves and growing and all of that, um, we also stop it. We also are aware of it and, you know, are sensitive to it and also don't want that. Do you know what I'm saying? I think, so like, I think we're sensitive to it. I don't think we stop it. I think that's, I think that's a bold statement. I don't, I don't know that that stuff ever gets stopped. I think maybe you can stop a couple of times in the moment or like soften it. Um, I, th- I think you should use I statements. No, I'm saying everybody. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're not talking about me, like, you. We don't stop things. Like that's not the way self-betterment works. It's like you get, you become more aware of it. And like maybe next time it's not, you know, it doesn't take over in the moment. Maybe you are able to stop it once or twice, but it's not like you wave a wand, it's gone just because you do the work. Well, yeah, I mean the, I, yeah, sure. The energy may, may not be gone, but you do stop things. I mean, there's people who, you know, uh, use drugs and they stop using drugs or people who. Um, you well, know, yeah, but they will struggle with addictive personalities and compulsiveness their entire life that doesn't right, stop just right. because they stop taking alcohol and drugs <laughs> yeah so the well we could turn the the volume down do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so what, what i think uh, has happened at least for me is that probably would have felt good when i wasn't healthy so before i you know went through my um self-betterment journey um when i was you know uh, attracted to dysfunction that actually, I think, felt good. So someone telling me what to do, mothering me, that probably felt safe. That's all I knew. Now that I'm kind of on the other side, um, and I'm 47, I uh, now it, it does the opposite effect. 
it makes me feel. Do you feel... think it felt good or do you think you just didn't have the tools or the language um, to, to verbalize it in another way? Like, because as I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, did that feel good? I know for a fact that I've always felt resentful of having to take care of somebody who I know should be my equal partner. Yeah. Um, but you but also said before I, I wouldn't say anything and I would just push it down and, and hold on to the resentment. Yeah. But you also said being um, struggling with codependency, you need that. You need to take care of someone. Yeah. That, I mean, that made you feel good. To, part of me needs to be needed. Um, yeah. Right. So I, I guess if, what's the line? if you were in your early twenties, uh, if you were at the peak of, of being codependent or, or whatever, whatever you're struggling with, and you met someone who didn't need you, there might be less of an attraction there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And so for me, it, uh, in my 20s and, and when I was um, – I had a very distorted definition of love and I, I, uh, I maneuvered in, in relationships just basically how I felt, not without ever thinking or being aware, um, like the, the whole idea of being a walking reaction. At that time, when someone took care of me or told me what to do or to – um, I have a joke with my friend who is also Asian and divorced and a therapist. And when I first met him, we had this joke that um, we had to ask our wives uh, to eat sugar cereal because we were, we were such children. And it's so specific that we were, la- we were like on the floor laughing because it was so specific, right? And when I was married, um, you know, I had a sweet tooth. and uh, Had? I have a lot less of a sweet tooth than I did before. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Her, there's my, hi, mom. Mom's coming out. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, so I used to eat a lot of like we because I grew up with you know all the horrible things like Snickers and McDonald's and junk food. Um, when I was married, I would when we would go to the grocery store, I'd reach for the, you know, the, the fruity pebbles, lucky charms, whatever. And she would say, no, we're going to get the healthy stuff. Okay, fine. Um, but I would have to, it got to the point where I was asking her if I could have lucky charms, right? That's also where I was in my journey where I didn't have a voice and it's not her fault. It was my fault. Um, what was my point to all this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess just um, oh, 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 you're, you're oh, enjoying oh. being told what to do. Yes, yes. So that felt normal. That felt okay. We didn't get into a big fight because she wouldn't let me buy Lucky Charms, right? Now, today, if you and I went to the grocery store, of course, you would have opinions about it. Like if I grabbed the Lucky Charms, you would be like, you know, okay, that's not that. You might say something. But if I really wanted them, I'm going to buy them, Period. Because I feel like I'm an adult. I could put whatever I want in my body. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so now today, if you were like, no, you're not buying the Lucky Charms, that wouldn't make me feel safe. That would do the complete opposite. That would repel me. And before my 20s, I would, that would make me feel, that would be okay. That would be normal. Right. So in a way, it is a sign of growth. But um, there is still that sensitivity. There is still... Uh, so, so anything, so basically, uh, what I used to grab, it's like that whole concept that when you, whatever you used to be attracted to or gravitate toward now repels you because you have grown. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's still, well, yes, yes. And obviously you're still attracted to it or you wouldn't be with me. That's not true. 
there's there's a lot of other reasons why I'm with you. It's not well, because- no, I know, but I mean, I would say like one of my biggest characteristics is that I'm somebody who like you know on the outside at least like has all their shit together is like the the kind of mom of the group. Like I'm I mean I'm the bona fide codependent. So um, that is such a huge part of my personality. And like of course I've done a lot of work around it, right? Like it doesn't run the show anymore. But it, if you weren't like if you weren't attracted to that in some level, still we would not be together. Well, I don't, I don't know because the amount of momness that you have is turned down very low. I mean, it's still there, of course, but it's not, you know, if in your twenties or, 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 uh, or, I don't know, late twenties, it was at a nine, it's probably not at now at a three or four. Yeah. yeah you know? Right. And so if that was at a nine now, I wouldn't be attracted to you. Or even yeah. if I was attracted to you, I don't think I would choose to invest in a relationship because we would fight all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. We just had an incident. We had an incident today and I'm just mentioning it. It didn't turn into a fight, uh, but it was, a, it was a, um, a slight something about uh, and this very topic. Didn't you say something? And I was like, uh, I got a little bit annoyed. And I said, it wasn't what you said. It was because you, you're making me feel like, um, by the way, if you guys hear that beeping noise, it's Amazon. <laughs> we have a dead end street so the poor bastards that deliver stuff at like nine o'clock at night have to back big ass vans down our street god um but but this the stories that you're hearing um you're hearing around the world because this is now just a common noise the amazon truck coming to your house mm-hmm. uh oh my god uh it's, it's in our driveway <laughs> yeah you said something today and i said it's not what you said it's uh, me feeling like you're my, you're my mom. Mm-hmm. Do you remember something? We did something happen today. Well, it was the, it, the bottles. What the happened with the bottles? Bottle. The baby's bottles. Oh yeah. The <laughs> okay. So the baby gets uh, six ounces, and I think I filled it up to five and a half, which wasn't a big deal. She didn't make a big deal out of it. But then we, she just mentioned it, and then I said something, and then she said it's a big deal, and then I, I felt like she was now scolding me like my mom scolding me. And um, so then I, you know, I, I was a little reactive and so it wasn't about the bottles. Here's what's interesting to me. I'm, I'm going to say something I don't think I've ever actually said to you before. There is an interesting dynamic to this conversation that I feel like you and I have had multiple times where we'll circle around the feeling that you get around me, momming you and how it makes you feel. And usually it's me sitting with it and saying like, okay, yeah, like I see how I do that. And I, and I try my best not to do it anymore. Um, and I don't know that I ever actually, like, I feel like I'm always the one that takes the, like, don't do that. Don't make me feel that way. Don't play the mom. And I, and I don't know that I actually ever in turn or in return get the opportunity to say yes. And like, because I feel like in the moment, because you're the one that usually calls things out that bother you, which is something I struggle with. Um, you know, I don't like to argue a point because that's not an apology, right? Like if you say, I'm sorry, but everything you say after, but, you know, nullifies your apology. So I usually don't have the opportunity to say it comes from this feeling of, I'm not saying this is what you're doing, but it comes from this feeling of I'm the only one that's concerned about things. I'm the only one that wants to make sure that we're safe, right? Because it's about control and safety, whether that's an illusion or not. That's you, kind you of said, what it stems yeah, from. Yeah, you said something really important. I'm the only one. 
which right. the feeling that you're having is because it's not about the half ounce of milk. What the feeling that you're having is, oh, I'm in this by myself. Well, because I'm when you say alone. when you say something back like it's not a big deal. Right. To me, that triggers in me the response or right. the feeling of see. I'm the only one that takes life seriously. I'm right. the only one that's looking out for us and making sure we're safe and protected. Right. And that's tied to also one of your uh, false beliefs that, um, you know, about men and that, you know, like, like this idea, like, oh, so, I mean, okay. So the, the half, well, first of all, let me, I had a, um, I had a joke. It's way too late to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't want you to mommy me. I want you to daddy me. Okay. never mind. So, yeah. No, so what, not the right moment. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. The um, the ha- it's not about the half ounce of milk. It's about the feelings that are triggered because of that. So for me, you were again momming me, right? Mm-hmm. For you, okay. Now I feel like I'm in this alone again. I feel like um, you know, um, I'm 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 doing this by myself. Like I don't feel safe. I don't, you know, and and also today it's a half ounce of milk. Tomorrow you might do something that puts our daughter into um, a dangerous situation, mm-hmm. or you know, like seatbelts and bigger things that do really are a big deal. So, I think for you, um, when you said it is a big deal, I don't think it's the half ounce that really is a big deal because it can't be. It's, it's like saying for lunch, she gets three and a half avocados, but today I gave her three and you're going, you know, I don't think it's that. I think what is a big deal for you is that I have to be more responsible or I have to be more attentive or have to be more, put more care into, you know, whether it's um, clicking her seatbelt or the milk or whatever it is that, that, that she needs. Um, so for you, it was like a puncture into like a, a bigger balloon. Right. And I think, I think what I, the revelation or realization that I think I just had is that many times when we have this conversation, because we've had it multiple times, because to your point, it's not about the milk, right? Like it, it, it comes up a lot just because it's a dynamic thing that we work through a lot. You express in the moment, you said this thing that was very momming. It made me feel gross. I don't like it. And usually I wouldn't say gross, <laughs> whatever, yeah. usually on the receiving end of that, I kind of say whether to you or in my head, okay, fair. I said that I did that. Don't do that again to myself, but I never actually get to say, well, in this moment, once again, I felt unsafe or I felt like it wasn't important to you or, or right. Like, like this wasn't well, important to you. No, no, no. You, of course you get to say that. Now, if you said, it's not about the milk, but what I'm realizing, I said that to you because um, sometimes you're you are irresponsible. And oh, but that would have just been a whole thing. No, if I, I would have actually I, said that. I would have no whole thing, John. I yes. would have depending on how you said it, I would have understood that more because then I realized, oh, of course it's not about the milk. Then if you said that, you know, that the, the half ounce is is important. Like you holding on to that instead of what's underneath makes it harder for me. If you're, if you said to me, yeah, it's not about the milk, but you know, I have this fear that you're, you know, today's the milk tomorrow, you're going to put on your motorcycle and next day you're going to, you know, um, throw her in the air too high. And I'll, then I could, then I could kind of see that I could be like, Oh yeah, I understand that. I could be like that some, sometimes, but if you don't say that and you just say um, it's a half ounce of milk, that's very important. Then I think like, Oh, she's a perfectionist or she's 
um, you know, putting this under a black light. She's being anal, like all of the things. And then, of course, you know, you're also being a mom and then you make me feel like a child. So what, one of my things, one of my um, insecurities I have is that I am irresponsible. One of my insecurities I have is that I am a child. One of the insecurities I have is that I need to grow up. And so anyone that reminds me of that, I'm going to come up swinging. Because it's something right, that which, it's something that I, I struggle with. I think your coming out swinging was, and this is what I had said to you, what I said to you earlier, your coming out swinging was your immediate response to me in the moment when I said to you, hey, like FYI, however I said it, because when I said it, it wasn't inflammatory. I said, hey, there's only five and a half ounces in here. Your immediate response super quickly was, it's not a big deal. So well, to me, that way, that was your coming back swinging. And yes. now if I had maybe had a bigger speed bump in that moment, I could have stopped. And instead of going, it is a big deal, which was my immediate response back right, to you. Right. I could have then been the one to step up and say, okay, but it feels like, you know, the irresponsibility, blah, blah, blah. But I think that both of us actually, the more we talk this out, I do think it's fair for both of us in our own way to take our part of the responsibility in, I did the momming, you came out swinging. I actually yeah. think both of us could have addressed this differently. Sure, sure. If you, but if you said, yeah, John, you're right. And just said, and that was it. No, I'm just kidding. If you said, yeah, John, you're right. The half ounce is not a big deal, but what is a big deal? And, and what I'm feeling is, um, I, I, you know, like I'm scared that you're going to do something that is going to put her, that is going to be a big deal. That's going to put her in danger. Then I would understood that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I see that's, that's where right. the emotion is coming from, not unfair. from the milk. I think that's unfair. I think that's an unfair expectation. And let me tell you why. Why? My initial comment was not inflammatory. Wait, quit hitting the microphone. People, people are listening to this. My initial comment was not inflammatory. My initial comment was, hey, there's only five and a half ounces in here. Okay, hold on, stop. Okay, okay, yes, but when you say, hey, there's only five ounces in here, that's already accusatory instead of, <laughs> don't you think? No, I don't. Because I mean, my comment, on the tone. right, and it, it, my tone was not inflammatory. My tone was actually very like, hey, there's only five and a half ounces in here. It wasn't it actually wasn't accusatory. It wasn't, I did not take it as momming. It was more of just like a, Oh, like I realized it. And then what did I say after that? Your immediate response was it's not a big deal. Wait, didn't I say um, that the half ounce foams up? Yes, but it was part after? of, it's not a big deal. It foams when you shake it, blah, blah, blah. There was like an explanation to it, but the, it's not a big deal was the immediate yeah. response to that. I, and so I shouldn't have said that. I, I, I get that. That came from me feeling like um, you're scolding me. So instead right. of feeling like your partner who is raising a daughter together, I felt like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm your son and I did something wrong. You know, I put too much sugar in the cookies or whatever I did, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why my, my reaction was, it's not a big deal. So, so, so it's not a big deal was me puffing my chest up. Right. Saying, that was you like, coming out swinging, like you said. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like me, like, like saying, like, uh, it was like me saying I'm a man. And I, I'm not saying that's a good definition of a man, but it's like me, me, like going from kid, you know, saying like proving to myself, like, no, no, no I'm a man. It's not a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. No. And I, I understand all of that. And I guess what I'm getting to is I feel like the, like the unfair expectation is, is that you can come back swinging and I should be the one to say, 
no, you're right. The half ounce isn't a big deal, but what it feels like is X. Well, if you, you do, if you, okay, yeah, if you did that, you would get the credit for dropping the rope. I would not get the credit in that case because I came out swinging. You were the bigger person by saying, Hey, this is where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it doesn't matter who does it, but someone needs to do it or both of us need to do it or else we're just pulling on this rope and then it's tug of war. Mm-hmm. I also um, actually appreciate that there are times that you see me and I know deep inside you're like right on the fence of like, ah, oh, that's a little dangerous. And I noticed that you don't say anything and you probably do that because you don't want me to feel like a child, you know? So like I, I dance Logan very different than you dance Logan. Mm-hmm. Right. I um, use her as a barbell or a kettlebell and uh, I'm a more, I'm more rough with her or I like throw her in the air or, you know, we go to the supermarket and I, you know, grab, give her a, a Kiwi that's, you know, fell off the floor, whatever it is. Um, and I noticed that um, you won't react. You won't scold me. Um, if it really bothers you, you'll say something, but I, I could feel that you're, you're trying to let me have my relationship with her and that, that I appreciate. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's probably, I mean, first off, I appreciate that you notice that. Yeah. I noticed that. I, um, I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, if I was level nine, then I'm probably a level three. <laughs> right. It's all about the level three, because if I was a level nine and you were a level nine, our magnets, magnets were flipped. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, we, we've come too far to tolerate that. Right. Um, so I think even though at a level three, I think being aware of our level threes, uh, because you're right, you know, people snap back, people have tendencies and you may have quit the heroin, but you still have the addictive behavior, whether it's white lies or, you know, maneuvering extremes or whatever the, uh, the behavior was. So um, I think just being aware of those things and what's really hard, and I'll be honest, is taking ownership is, is, is uh, because I, I'm an Aries, I'm fiery, I have a lot of pride. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to um, say, oh, I see that, that's my fault, that's my something I need to look at. Um, I, it's hard for me to let go of the rope unless you're going to let go too, which, which is childish, but I, I noticed that. It's stubborn. Aries yeah. are very stubborn. Well, and I, I, I mean, I think that that's a very normal human trait for a lot of people, not everybody, but I, but I think that a lot of us, right. I mean, defenses come from, from somewhere. They come from a, a desire to, you know, not be attacked a desire. I mean, it's safety, it's emotional safety. So, um, well, the other layer to this, um, and this might be a different episode is a masculine and feminine energy, you know? And I think that, uh, um, both of both Vanessa and I have uh, more masculine energy. Don't you think? I see, I actually don't agree with that. I actually think in a lot of ways you embody more of the feminine because the feminine yeah, would course. be more playful. The feminine would be more about, you know, softening, um, showing emotion, you know, being versus doing. And I actually think, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but I actually think that I tend to, and I always have embody more of the masculine. And so I think that there actually is a compliment there. I think when it starts to become, um, I don't know if an issue is the right word, but when it starts to become an issue is when I can't step out of my masculine and allow you to step into yours. Yes. Yes. Because then we have two masculines. Well, there's just too much masculine period. Yeah. 
I mean, we definitely have more problems with that than too much feminine energy in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And this is a whole other conversation. You're right. But I mean, the reality is too, I was already wired that way. And then, uh, you know, the first few years, this is what I've been told to by a lot of other mothers. Um, the first few years of being a parent, being a mother, uh, it is almost all masculine. Sure. So yeah. it's very hard on relation. That's why they say, um, you know, if you're talking about it just from like a, like I'm talking about from like a depth psychological perspective, this is why the first few years of having a kid are so hard on relationships. Well, it's, always. it's survival. And then I think, um, with mothers, you're in protection mode naturally. It's, it's planning, in, it's instinctual, protection, it's yeah. Which is all masculine. Right. Doing. You know? But organizing. I think, I think with the baby, there's a lot of feminine energy, but not by, not with others. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of the contrast, um, can you say that quote? Mm. Hang on, let me find it. Because that's ultimately, um, and this is kind of how we want to drive this home is, is, is we want to end it on a good note and talk about um, what, what I, one of my love lessons uh, since I've met Vanessa is uh, because we are very different is um, finding beauty in the contrast. So if you don't follow her, Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Um, so she said, and it's actually not even just the quote. It, it really is the kind of breakdown that she gives in this post that, that hit me. Um, one of love's central paradoxes, the very same quality in your partner that is a source of attraction during the easy moments is likely to be a source of distress during the difficult moments. Um, and then I'll just read a little bit. I don't know if this bores anybody, but to me, it was interesting. Um, I thought she just, she wrote it very beautifully. So she said, the scientist is drawn to the artist because the artist reminds the scientist that the irrational is sacred. The introvert is drawn to the extrovert because the extrovert moves the introvert out of their comfort zone. The feeler is drawn to the thinker because the thinker shows the feeler that sometimes the shortest distance between two points is in fact a straight line. But during moments of frustration and stress, the scientist wishes the artist could just make a plan and stick to it. The introvert wishes the extrovert could just feel content at home. And the feeler wishes the thinker could just let down and cry sometimes. And then she goes into more, which I won't read, but. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a character arc there. Right. And for me, um, one of the, and I feel like we have our own character arc, right? Like if our relationship was a, was a protagonist in a movie, it's um, gone through its own hero's journey. Right. And we've been together for three years. And for me, this was one of the hardest things is um, that we are different, you know, the contrast. And I've learned over the years to lean into it and uh, not only lean into it, but start to see beauty in our differences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think that's how you know that uh, there has been growth or there has been, you've gone somewhere, the relationship has gone somewhere and come back. Like there has been movement. There has been some kind of um call to action, a hero's journey, a character arc. Yeah. I think it, it's this whole dynamic of unconsciously you being attracted to somebody who mothers and me being attracted to somebody who needs a mother. Right. And um, it, at a level three, not at a level I nine, know, but right. I mean, I think that that's, that's this, what we're talking about. That's this paradox. And it's like, there is the creative, uh, joyful childlike essence in you that I am drawn to because it reminds me that 
that is part of life, right? It reminds me to play, which I struggle with. Like I've always had a hard time playing because it just isn't something that was safe, right? Like it's not part of my, let's be safe, let's be in control. So I need to remind myself during the moments of frustration that I am drawn to that in you because it's important for me to remember to play. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's um, watching how you maneuver, you know, how how you cross your uh, T's and dot your I's and reminding myself that I need to keep receipts or I need to, Hmm. um, you know, check my bank account once in a while or um, be responsible, you know, double lock the seatbelt when Logan's in it or drive slower or make sure that there's a, you know, six ounces instead of five and a half. So um, I think that we are, uh, so here's the other thing that's great about the contrast is, is uh, you can be medicine for each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I think treatment would be for you is uh, so if you, if you want a suggestion on uh, how to um, be less mommy, like you in the bedroom, you can start calling me daddy. I think that that would be good, a good intervention for you to exercise that. If you could see me right now, you would see me rolling my eyes really, really hard. Guys, thank you for listening. <laughs> and um, if no, you, I will not be calling him daddy later. <laughs> if you want to uh, um, subscribe, if you like these episodes, um, this actually, my, uh, uh, my podcast is only 10 minutes. So this is uh, interesting for me to go longer because we go about uh, 40 minutes, 35 minutes. And uh, if you want to um, put a little review, and if, you th- if any of this dialogue was helpful, um, what that does is that pushes this out more and uh, it'll help other people who um, are, you know, struggling like everyone else in their relationships. Yeah. I think if you want that shot glass, then John's podcast is an extra listen. And if you want the lengthy, heady, spiritual, let's get in over our heads, then that's my podcast. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Be well. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.